Welcome to the Maple Grove Scripture Reading Podcast, episode 20, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. Hey everybody and welcome back to the Scripture Reading Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Spencer. This week we read six more of the minor prophets, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and Zephaniah. Now I'm going to focus today on just a few of these books, um, in particular Habakkuk and Zephaniah, but I wanted to touch on a couple of the other books that we read as well. I want to start with Jonah because Jonah is such a powerful book showing a prophet who didn't really want to do his job. I mean, his job is to prophesy. And God told him to go to the Assyrians in Nineveh and and preach a message that they would be overturned. And instead, he takes off in the other direction. And and we find out in chapter 4 why he did that. In verse 2, it says that he prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? This is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from calamity. So we have this prophet who doesn't go where he should to preach God's message because he knows that God is abounding in love and gracious and compassionate, and he's going to forgive those who repent or turn from their sins. And that's what happens Like when he does finally go to Nineveh and preaches his message, which is incredibly short, and he didn't even get all the way through um, Nineveh, the people, even up to the king, from like the king really down to, I mean, it even talks about the livestock. They they all repented and, and turned from their sins. And as somebody who who preaches the word of God, Jonah is such a great reminder for me. You know what? That I cannot just I I can't not teach somebody or, or preach to somebody because I don't want to see them changed, or that I don't agree maybe with what they think, or if I think that there's some kind of lost cause. Because if God tells me to go and, and tell them and teach them the good news, then I need to be obedient to that call. And Jonah is such a great reminder for that because we see that he wasn't obedient to that call, that he was angry with God because of this. And, you know, that doesn't make sense to me, but it's such a good reminder for me, in particular for me, because that's that's what I do. I, I preach and teach the word of God, and and I can't, I, 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 I personally cannot just say, you know, I, I don't want them to hear it because that's not my call. That That's God's call. The next book that I wanted to just kind of touch on is the book of Micah. And I just wanted to point out a short passage here talking about the promised Messiah King and where his origins would be. In chapter 5, uh, verses 2 through 5, it says this, But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, 
Out of you will, will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth, and the rest of the brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth, and he will be their peace. I just wanted to bring this up because I find, you know, all of these prophets, we see all of these prophets that talk about this coming Messiah King. It's it's so interesting because you can see the threads and the hints about him, you know, just giving little bits and pieces of who this will be and these prophecies about this Messiah King. And, and we can see that they all come together in one person in Jesus. And I just find that so interesting and, and so neat um, as we read through it. Okay, so I want to move on to Habakkuk. And Habakkuk gets structured a little bit differently. See, Habakkuk has two sections where there is like a complaint and a response and a complaint and a response. And it's where the prophet complains to God and, and gets a response. And then complains to God again and gets another response. And when I say complain, I don't I don't want to I, I I don't mean to say like he's being disrespectful to the Lord because I don't think that he is as I read through this. Let me read to you from chapter one, part of the first complaint here, starting with verse two, where it says, "How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save." Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous so sorry, the wicked hem in the righteous, so that justice is perverted. And then we jump to verse 13. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? He's really complaining that the Lord has allowed all of these wicked things to to continue to happen in Judah. And it's just interesting to see that Habakkuk isn't, he isn't talking to the Israelites in this book. He doesn't prophesy against them. Instead, he's having a conversation with God. He's asking God, why are you allowing this? Why do you allow this evil to happen? And you know what? This is a question that we still ask today. Why do you, why, why God do you allow this type of pain? Why do you allow this type of evil in the world? And Honestly, I don't think that we see a direct answer to this here. Because, I mean, after the first complaint, we see God say that, well, I'm going to send the Assyrians to take over and to attack. And that led to the second complaint. He's like, wait, what? This this doesn't make sense. Why are you sending worse people than than what is currently here to, to destroy us? Um, this is why I don't think that we necessarily see a direct answer, but we do see an answer, and we see that the answer really is that we don't always have the right perspective on this. We don't always have God's perspective, and we don't always understand His timing. 
most of the time we don't understand that. Because we see in this book that the Lord will respond. I mean, he says so, but he says that it will happen at what he calls an appointed time in chapter 2, verse 3. Okay, lastly, I wanted to talk about Zephaniah. As we close out our section here for the pre-exile prophets, Zephaniah is a similar structure to what we've seen. He prophesies judgment on the nations and on Israel. In, in uh, chapter 1, verses 17 and 18, I will bring distress on the people and they will walk like blind men because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood will be poured out like dust and their entrails like filth. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to save them on the day of the Lord's wrath. In the fire of his jealousy, for the whole world will be consumed, for he will make a sudden end of all who live on the earth. Man, you read that and I don't think you can help but think that God is going to wipe everybody out. All of them. There is still and always hope. This is the theme that I've seen throughout all of these readings in in these prophets. And quite honestly, going back to Genesis, judgment will come because God is just. But there is always a future hope. Let me read to you from Zephaniah chapter 3. Verses 9 through 17. Then I will purify the lips of the peoples, that all of them may call on the name of the Lord and serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Cush, my worshipers, my scattered people will bring me offerings. On that same day, you will, on that day, you will not be put to shame for all the wrongs you've done to me, because I will remove from this city those who rejoice in their pride. Never again will you be haughty on my holy hill. But I will leave within you the meek and humble who trust in the name of the Lord. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong. They will speak no lies, nor will deceit be found in their mouths. They will eat and lie down, and no one will make them afraid. Sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. On that day they will say to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands hang limp. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. He is mighty to save. We've seen this all through our reading. That yeah, there are bad things that are going to happen. Things that we are not going to understand because we don't have the right perspective. We don't have God's perspective. But there is always hope. And that hope comes from the Father. That hope comes from Christ for us because he is mighty to say. Next week, we're going to begin our journey into the wisdom literature. We're going to start with Job. We're going to be there for the next couple of weeks, all the way until the end of May, and then starting in June, we'll get into the Proverbs to continue with the wisdom literature. 
If you'd like to continue the conversation, check out the episode 20 page on our website, maplegrove.church slash read scripture. Thanks everybody so much for listening and we'll see you again next week. Thanks for listening to the Maple Grove Christian Church Scripture Reading Podcast. You can find out more information about our church at our website at www.maplegrove.church. You can also follow us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MGCCBTown. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Music Store. Thanks again for listening.